Hi everyone and welcome to Common Thread. I'm Nana, a Ghanaian Nigerian with a passion for words and moving images. And I'm Yamini, an Indian with a deep interest for all things at the intersection of pop culture and social justice. Hey Yams, um, it's another week. How have you been this week and how have you been taking care? Uh, I've been good. Um, I don't know if this counts. Uh, but I think the thing that I've been doing to take care of myself is just allowing myself to re-watch old TV mm. shows. I feel like, I mean, it's something we all do, but I think I, because I don't view like TV watching or watching movies necessarily as this kind of guilty pleasure, like I actively do those things because I think they're actually, it's like reading a book, like it's it's in some way teaching me something or I'm learning something new, whatever it is. So when I rewatch TV shows, which I do so often, that's when I feel guilty. But I've just been allowing myself to do that because clearly I feel I'm feeling a certain way and I'm like itching to watch a certain type of television. So I've been rewatching um, Grace and Frankie. Have I you seen have. that? I've seen the first season, but somehow I haven't seen the rest, but I loved it. Oh my God, I love that show so much. Um, I think it's, I just, it's just such an interest. And I like, and I, what I like about rewatching stuff is that you definitely do see different perspectives and you see things you didn't see before. Um, and so I like, I find it a little uncomfortable, but at the same time, comforting. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I'm watching it out of comfort, but then it makes me uncomfortable because I'm having reactions to things that I don't remember having mm -hmm. earlier. So I'm like seeing things differently. And it's not necessarily that I'm that different than when I watched it last. It's, it hasn't been that much time since I watched it, but I guess we're different every day. Um, and I think it has a lot to do with what I had then decided the show was in my head and then watching an episode and being, oh, that's like a very interesting way of filming something or having that idea come across. Um, yeah, so I, I've been doing that and I, I count that as taking care of myself. Sound like taking How care about of you? <laughs> um, for me, it's kind of abstract this week, but I would say how I've been taking care is through self-compassion. So I, you went to Catholic school as well, right? Um, there was this phrase people would say growing up, um, like a hopeful thing that would be like, no weapon fashioned against me shall prosper. I think it's from a Bible verse. And last week I felt like every single weapon fashioned against me was prospering. Like um, the biggest being that I, I don't know if I said this last week, but I love spring and it just like was not mutual. I was having these terrible allergies. Um, waking up with like runny nose and sneezing and like a sore throat and itchy eyes and whatever. So then I got these over-the-counter allergy medications, but they just made me incredibly exhausted and I couldn't do anything. Um, and I have a lot to do lately, so it felt horrible. Um, I don't know, like falling behind on things. But I just decided to like let myself, I don't know, not put too much pressure and to like appreciate the fact that my um body was meaning well <laughs> even though I was getting like all of these reactions so that helped so I would like take breaks and like try and relax and I don't know watch something nap etc um so yeah that was like my thing last week not being too high I'm glad you're giving yourself a little bit of a break I mean at some point we might talk about like the all the cool things you're doing now I don't know if you're <laughs> in the space where you want to chat about it, but we will at some point. So when people hear what what it exactly you've been up to, I think everyone would say you deserve um, and should like give yourself time to unwind and like, especially like allergies, as though you have any control over know, those. But they're the worst. But yeah. But, but what was the what was the phrase you said? Um, the biblical um, phrase? It's like no weapon fashion against me shall prosper. Oh, wow. I haven't, I've never heard uh, that. And I, I mean, uh, so my school wasn't, it wasn't actually Catholic. I think it was non-denominational, which I feel like sometimes you, it's Protestant, mm. I would say. Like, but I mean, I've never heard that, um, that, that particular phrase before. And I'm going I to like furiously Google it maybe after. Maybe it's also like specifically popular with West African Christians. Um, yeah. 
as yeah there are lots of um we should we should do we should do one on this uh like these 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 phrases you hear i i know one which i don't know if you ever heard this i don't know why anyway it's a uh, uh it's jesus bids us shine you in your corner and me in yeah, mine you i heard have this? not i like it though really? it sounds like yeah, a way okay. of telling people to mind yeah. their business <laughs> of course like uh, the interpretation i would say over here is why don't you you know sit down and get down to studying like that's how it's i think understood okay. and used um i'm just yeah, like the connected but, but i like, like i'm going to use it to tell people to mind their own corner <laughs> <laughs> to just leave me and me to shine in mine uh, that's so funny um okay well so i'm pretty excited about this week's uh topic because i kind of feel like we didn't decide on whether we were going to do seasons i mean we very much were like let's just actually get this podcast up and running but it kind of feels like it's it it's a nice common thread and also homage to our first episode where we are going to talk about the fact that this week and maybe different days depending on which part of the world you were in is the week that um lockdown pretty much happened all over the world a year ago um and since our first episode was also a hybrid episode in nice juxtaposition to talking about the crown we of course have the interview that is has you know is making waves which is uh, Harry and Meghan uh, and their tell all with Oprah Winfrey which we have both somehow managed to watch So I like that we're kind of doing that. It kind of feels like of course I'm looking at it just from the perspective of like our podcast and structure and like the first episode and the eighth episode. I like that. So that is what we're going to be talking about today. Um uh, but let's start with the much more at least in our day-to-day lives monumental you know experience of this having been a year since lockdown happened. Like do you let's start with a very obvious question which is all over Instagram which is what is the last normal day that you remember before you know covid became the new normal it's this is tricky like in terms of thinking what would a normal day be um so for me actually when all of this started happening i was traveling um so i was in the us i was visiting like some schools trying to decide where i would do my phd and then everything started like the borders started closing and so i bought like an earlier ticket to come back um and i was hoping i would make it cuz flights were being canceled um yeah and then i got back and then i self quarantined for a week and then by the end of my self quarantine the next week lockdown started so wow <laughs> because of like the self quarantine the traveling all of that like it's hard to locate what a normal day would be um maybe it would be about a month before so in february there was like a week um during berlinale um like the berlin film festival where um we went to a lot of screenings and to concerts and and stuff so um it wasn't also normal because <laughs> I was doing a lot um but i think that's like the last pre lockdown um bunch of memories i have yeah so so i mean what was it like being at airports about to travel internationally oh. i mean also like if you just think about the intention of what you were doing a year ago versus now where you were going to visit colleges because the idea was that you were going to approach yourself all over again and be moving across however many hundreds of miles or kilometers depending on which system you follow um and you know be very much living on a campus and that's why you're visiting right because it's everything combined it's like what your life is going to be like on campus which city you're nearby what that city mm-hmm. has to offer especially as someone who is a filmmaker and you know your work is very much wrapped up into the environment you're in um so that's what you were doing there so you went there fully with the intention the assumption that life would be normal that you would apply to a university and then you would go to said university yeah, physically yeah. um and then and then kind of like covid starts happening and then you have to get to a to an airport uh which at that point i think was the most anxiety inducing place to be yeah 
yeah. I think. Um, so I was wondering what that experience was like. What were people like as well when you um, were there? It was fun because also it literally happened like on this trip I was visiting, I was supposed to be visiting three schools. I visited the first one. Um, the day before I was supposed to get to the on the flight to the second one, um, the visit was cancelled. Um, I went anyway because I couldn't have stayed where I was. Um, and then the third one was also cancelled. So I was there anyway. I informally met with people. But a lot of people were like taking flights and buses and trains home to prepare to hunker down. Um, I remember going to buy like treats from the Trader Joe's for the airport and there was nothing on the shelves. Um, just the most wow. random snacks. Um, going to the airport as well, I was really worried about getting stuck somewhere. Um, I didn't want to get stuck in the US because especially with their healthcare system, um, I feel like that was the last place I wanted to be in a pandemic. Um, yeah. I was in Chicago, so I was flying out of O'Hare and somebody sent me from Twitter this picture of the, uh, like a super packed room um, or hallway, I guess mm -hmm. it's an airport, they're massive, completely packed at the O'Hare airport from all of the people coming back. So that also terrified me. Um, it was early enough that there were no masks anywhere. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going to be at the airport. Wow. Um, I'm going to be in a plane and I have nothing. Um, kind of just vibes to protect myself. So it was, it was terrifying. Thankfully, like, um, oh, and I forgot to say, so I bought an earlier flight. And then that night I found out that my original one got canceled anyway. So I was really hoping this new one wouldn't be cancelled um but i made it and we also like had to buy i decided to buy like the most there were other cheaper options but i decided to buy one that was with lufthansa just because it would fly me to like some city in germany and then if the second flight got cancelled i can take a bus or a train or whatever but i wouldn't also want to like transit through somewhere and get stuck there um so yeah, it was like, oh my God. <laughs> it was very nerve wracking. And I was like, just very relieved when I um, arrived in Berlin. Um, and I had, because I was supposed to be traveling for two, three weeks, I had emptied um, completely like my fridge, my pantry, everything. Um, so then before isolation, wow. like I had my partner, like went grocery shopping and bought me everything I needed. But I don't know, it just felt like everything happened super quickly, like incredibly, incredibly quickly. Yeah. Oh, that, I think that's what, I think that's the thing about this virus, which people, that we've not really absorbed, is that it was really that quick. Because for me, I went from being in a nightclub the weekend before to being on lo lockdown a week no. later. It was literally a turnaround of five days in which we processed that this was going to be and a thing. And I had thing. no idea that the um, last would be the last, yeah. Right, absolutely. And I mean, when we were like going to the nightclub, we were joking because COVID was definitely a thing that people were like talking about. And But it was very, it was very clear to us that we, it had not yet approached mm -hmm. India and that it hadn't been detected. And so it was this thing that was kind of like hovering around and we'd been kind of hearing about and reading about. And actually my friends from college came to visit me. They came and stayed with me um, uh, in Calcutta and we were doing this project together, which is why, and we decided to like use a long weekend to do the project in Calcutta, but also like have fun and enjoy ourselves and kind home. of make it a little trip. No, so I we I came home that weekend because it was a long weekend. It was a festival weekend to do that, and then I flew back to college, did four days, and on Thursday our college was like we're shutting down because in those four days there was um, a group of people who had been detected with the virus in India, and so everything and they had flown the, that the people who were found with the virus had flown into Delhi, which is the city closest to my university, and so. In, in that, so it was also regional, like that part of India had already started shutting down. And so all the, the first couple of places that were to shut down were universities and things like that. So uh, on, I flew back on a, I think on a Monday, and then on Thursday, college was like, we're done. Um, 
So f on Friday, I went back to Delhi and on Saturday, I flew home. And today is actually exactly one year to the day from when I, was, when I flew wow. back home. How long did you think you were like going home for and what did you take with you? So we were, we were told two weeks, two weeks. And my friends and I remember I, so I did a lot of things that were like me assuming that I would be back in two weeks, the way I packed, the way I left my stuff in my dorm, um, all of those things. But on an emotional level, I kept telling my friends that I suggest we say bye to each other properly because I really don't know when we're going to see each other again. And my, all my friends were scoffing and just being like, don't be so dramatic and like, it'll be fine. We'll be back in two weeks and, you know, they'll have a handle on this. I think we just always assumed that this, there was like, it's, I was telling a friend yesterday, it felt like it has now looking back on it, it genuinely feels like a zombie apocalypse, something you just really never thought was ever going to happen. And it's something that existed in our ideas and psyches as things that only happen on television episodes or as storylines. And it's not even that I don't think it had ever happened to me. I just didn't think it would ever actually happen. Or if it had happened, it was under control and it wasn't like this kind of mutant thing that was just going to take over the entire earth. So but so I, I, I didn't plan for it in terms of like, as I'm saying, packing and things like that. But I did say goodbye to people and say that to them where I was like, I don't know when I'm actually going to see, we're going to see each other again. Um, and I'm just generally like an overly emotional, dramatic person. So I like accounted more to that. But all, And then like four or five months later, all my friends would be like, oh my God, this is, you kept saying that. And I was like, yeah, but I didn't prepare for it that way at all. All my stuff, I don't have any clothes. <laughs> like all my clothes are sitting in my dorm. Um, so it was bizarre because I was literally at, there was a week between lockdown and a nightclub for me. But that's like yeah. incredible that so, you had the presence of mind to be like, okay, but let's say goodbye. Yeah, I mean, I'm just a very, it's honestly just because I'm a very dramatic person. There is like, I'm a dramatic and emotional person, which is a very deadly combination. But in this situation, worked out well. Um, but yeah, it was, it's a, it's a strange, it's just been such a strange time. And like looking back on it, so that it's exactly a year for you. How how would you say it's been? Wow. Um, I mean, it's for me, this week is a year from a lot of things in the last couple of years. Like, a lot has happened in this particular week in March. Um, and they've usually been, like, these monumental, like, emotional shifts for me. Um, uh, and so... On, I am in disbelief as to the fact that a year has passed because so much of that year, you, we just, I think we were just kind of, everyone was on hold. Like you kept waiting for something to shift or something to change. But also I think we are so different. I mean, just, I, I have, I really have no words. I don't even know how to process it, how to think about it. I can't believe it's been a year. I can't believe what this year has been like. I can't believe, I, it's just, I, I literally have no words. I mean, just the things that you, the basic of it is that the stuff that we took for granted is now so the opposite. Like, I don't think that shift happens all the time where there are things you take for granted and then maybe they get taken away and then you stop taking them for granted and then you go back to taking them for granted. And I just feel over here that is not going to happen because just you talking about like visiting campuses I'm like visiting campuses I mean you know online <laughs> classes like that's that's just kind of the starting point of how I think about university now mm. like I can't think about it outside of that even though most of my university experiences were pre-covid um so I don't I, I I'm so I'm like actually struggling because I really don't know I haven't processed this at all and it's bizarre that it's been a year it's just I bizarre. wanted to ask, yeah. I mean, you mentioned classes, but what else would you say is, or what other things would you say are like taken for granted things? So I'll tell you the thing that I feel I'm, I hate to use the word grateful, but I'm, but has been a silver lining in this year for me, is that I think that 
we come from maybe it's not a generational thing but at least it's uh, in the sense the way my friends and I talk about time off so i would fantasize about just having time off to do nothing and i will never crave that in the same way again because i think when i saw what i was like when i was actually given that kind of time off and it's not even that i was and it's like i that time off has to either be very intentional where you are using that time off to actually take a break which means going on holiday or doing something that is actually relaxing but just having time to spare has been so detrimental to me and my mental health and my engagement and just my happiness and i no longer crave it and i think that's such a wonderful thing because you when you go like for example when i did start working again i was interning i didn't feel the need to kind of like you know oh i it'd be nice if i could get home at a certain time because i was like i am actually enjoying this and i don't i'm going to go home and do what because we're still kind of you know we're still in the stage where you can't actually go out and do a lot of things and just like this idea that you just want to be sitting by yourself and doing nothing or just like relaxing that it's not a real thing and any and we never get to learn that because it never lasts very long and so we're like oh i just wish i had another day but you've never actually been given that other day and so you don't know that actually you would hate it if you had another day to sit and do nothing so i think that has been very key for me because i think it's made me engage with everything be it work be it socializing be it relaxing in a way that is much more appreciative of what that is and not longing for time to do nothing because time to do nothing is terrible <laughs> that's where so i think that has been a huge turning point for me how about you um, let's see so for me actually i i guess i would preface this by saying that obviously i recognize like people who have um like lost lives because of the pandemic or lost jobs because with lives especially like communities of color being affected more um that people have yep. lost jobs especially mostly women because of gender inequalities and like invisible shifts and like also the that other minorities have been forced to move home with like families that are abusive or homophobic or etc i recognize all of that Um I think I'm one of the rare people from whom lockdown has actually led to a much better life. Um as mm. so I'm very happy with like I think the past year has been good to me. So one in terms of you mentioned I would have been moving to start the PhD and before this I had always joked about how I really wanted to do a PhD in the US because for my field it would be better but that I never wanted to live in America and I wanted to stay in Germany. Um so by virtue of lockdown school has been remote and it's a terrible time to move so I've ended up staying in Berlin and doing my PhD remotely which has been incredible. It was like the dream that I didn't dare dream. Um it's a different time zone but I'm okay with online classes because I'm like okay I don't have to move. <laughs> um and like there there are fewer connections with people and fewer meetings and for my very close friends a part of me does miss that um but I actually don't mind um like my fomo is not as terrible as it would have been in terms of events and stuff like that I'm actually I'm all right um so yeah I can't I can't complain too much like the actual fact of staying home I think has been good for me i've been able to like figure out some kind of work life balance and have daily routines to take care of myself and like i don't know it's been there have been tough moments of course um but overall i would say it's it's something that i've been that has done well for me and so i'm actually a bit worried about Yeah, when whenever people talk How about going go back? back to normal, I freak out because I don't want to go back to anything. I wish we could find <laughs> a new normal. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm not eager to go back to before at all. Yeah. 
But I, I also feel like that has been kind of the narrative of we shouldn't go back because taking into account everything you said about how devastating uh, the pandemic has been, especially in terms of, I don't, I don't want to say exposing because I think things were like pretty bad in terms of inequality. Like it was, if you were paying attention, they're pretty clear anyway. But in terms of um, heightening those experiences, like anyone who was doing poorly was doing so much worse during the pandemic. And anyone who was doing well not only survived, but somehow managed to eke something out of it that worked in their favor for the most part. Having said that, it's been difficult for everyone on some front or the other, for sure. So I think that there has there was a lot, um, and I fe- felt that there was more written about this when um, we were very much, there was really nothing else to engage with in terms of the media, except for the fact that we were in the middle of a pandemic. And there was a lot of like, we should not go back to the way things were because the pandemic has put into stark perspective um, how badly things were moving along earlier. Um, and and I, I'm very cynical about that. Like I really do think that the second pe- there is a chance for things to go back to normal, they will go back to normal and it will be very random small things that would have changed um, that will you know like I think that work from home will become like you know like zoom calls and things for meetings where people don't really want to come in will become more of a thing but that's that's not necessarily this massive you know life-changing change that the pandemic is going to have brought about it's going to be small things of like convenience or logistics that will change mm. I am very not like very unsure of how it's going to have a larger impact on just the way um, uh, politics or policy or communities coexist. I don't know. How do I you think, like, feel about I'm that? Actually, I've actually been thinking about how it might change things, um, not necessarily for the better, but I think there will be some lasting change. Um, before I say this, it's just like an aside that I suddenly remembered about time to do nothing. Um, I think this has also ended up being great for me in terms of like interpersonally um, because there was a lot of time to do nothing at the beginning and I think it just ended up being like a really lovely like honeymoon period for my relationship so um, I also actually enjoyed the time to do nothing Um, and like having an extra year because otherwise I would have moved to another continent in the summer. But in terms of the changes, see, but your time to do your time to do nothing wasn't actually doing nothing. This is the whole. (laughs) This is yeah. That's the that's the entire crux of it. Like I think that if you had time off, but then had that time to be able to do something else, that's a whole different ball game. I am talking about doing nothing. It's just. It is honestly okay. Let's use another phrase that I'm sure you've heard. The idle mind is a devil's (laughs) workshop. Yes. I have never been more like, yes, it's just that that is 100%. I, I used to hear that and I was like, okay, that's very dramatic. Let's not use that <laughs> phrase. And now I legitimately quote that phrase and I sound like I'm, you know, 80, but uh, the, de- the idle mind is a devil's workshop. I it's so true. Anyway, I'm sorry, like I interrupted you. didn't want you to rest, but no, I get you. Um, (laughs) we did a lot there was a lot of like walking and lakes Um, but in terms of lasting change I've always thought of this uh, speculated about like this moment in terms of September 11 um, and things that were presented as temporary measures but then became permanent so for instance the idea that like they put airports on like I don't remember what the alert was but red or orange and it was supposed to be just for a time that they that the airports were on like whatever alert and would have all of the security and you could only take this amount of liquid and you had to go through all these scanners um but now it's been like what 20 something years and it's just like a temporary Mm -hmm. thing that never ended so i've always wondered not policy i'm not that optimistic about like government etc um but i've always wondered like what are the changes now that we think are just for now but could be enduring um, I don't know if it would be masks or like social distance or, you know, um, I don't know. But it would be interesting to see in a, in, in a couple of years what it has been. Oh, yeah, that would be, I mean, if 
uh, to our listeners, if there's something really interesting that you've thought of that you think will, it, it doesn't matter what it is, that could that is something that never existed prior to COVID, has become routine during COVID, and will continue on, uh, do let us know. Like, send us, uh, DM us on our Instagram account. Um, we'd love to hear from you. And we, if we, find, you know, if we get a lot of interesting answers, we'll definitely discuss it in our next episode. I just thought that would be an interesting thing yeah. to hear because that's something that, yeah, that's something that um, I've heard a lot of people say, like I've seen a lot of, rather, I've seen a lot of memes on Instagram, which is like normalizing wearing a mask when you're unwell, um, <laughs> which is like such a, you think that that would just be like, yeah, just put a mask on when you're sick so you don't sneeze over other people um, is, is something silly, but actually I think quite... Uh, momentous because I don't know about you but everyone I know who has had the flu in the last year has been so much more conscious of what the flu is mostly because they're tracking their symptoms like nobody's business just try, like you know make trying to make like reassure themselves it's not COVID and check that it's not COVID but also being conscious of the fact that if you pass the the cold on to other people who are immunocompromised um that's also not great. I mean, yes, it's the flu and it's much less scary and it's something that we is a known entity, but the consciousness about being ill and ha taking responsibility to not get someone else sick versus I have to keep working through my illness, I think that's maybe there is something over there that could shift or change about how we engage with ill health and what ill health actually means and our responsibility to people who... Um, would be much, you know, worse placed if they were to get the same thing you have. I don't know if that's maybe I one like of them. That. I mean, as you were saying this, it just reminded me of like my pet peeve. This is a very small thing, but I will share. Is like when I'm on the tram or on the train, there are people who are sick and then will like remove their mask to cough or sneeze and then put it back. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah. <laughs> It's like it's the exact opposite of what just, that's why you're wearing exactly. a mask. I just have like many um, fits of rage and then I'm like, okay, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's so, yeah, it's bizarre. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I've just, I wasn't even able to articulate what this last year has been. I think I just said, um, it's, it's, uh, it's because I literally haven't processed mm -hmm. it. I think this week maybe I'll do a little bit more processing and looking back. But I generally, um, for someone who likes to like reflect, uh, I really don't want to engage that much with what this last year has been like because it was also just very intense on, on many fronts. And um, it feels like the shortest and the longest year we've all ever had. And I feel like it was so different month to month and depending on the stage we were in, in terms of lockdown, in terms of vaccines, in terms of other news that slowly started to percolate or take over from the news that was the pandemic. Um, but yeah, it's been bizarre. I think the word is bizarre. I have a final question, actually. I just thought about this. I don't know if this is reflection. If it is, you can feel free to pass over. Um, so not the past year, maybe. maybe. Maybe it's not time to do that now. But how are you feeling about the next year, either the rest of 2021 or like up until next March? Um, I guess an obvious thing is the vaccine rollout, but just in general anyway. Um, yeah, do you have any thoughts? I am cautiously optimistic and excited and also fearful, but it's also, it has more to do with the fact that my life was going to change this year anyway because I graduate this year. So this year is a is a pivotal time for me anyway. It's now that there are all of these added layers about what that might mean. So I'm not actually going back into the same job I had a year ago. Uh, it's just that I will now be allowed to go back into, uh, you know, my office or things like that. Like that's how I think how it's going to be for a lot of people where they they kind of are trying to not go back to their old lives, but a version of their old lives. Whereas for me, come in another month or two, my life is going to be different, completely different anyway. So um, yeah, so it's a, it is a time of big change, which has been made more complicated in terms of my timeline uh, by COVID. So I'm going to be figuring out the job situation, the living situation and all of that. 
um, but it seems to have, I've touched wood, uh, it seems to have kind of like coincided with the, the re-emergence of some normalcy, which I think is, has, I'm, I feel very lucky because if I had graduated last year, this year would have been such a disaster because I wouldn't have even been secure in the knowledge that I am still in university and yeah, classes are online and that's, you know, sucks and whatever else. But at least I'm not having to worry about my next step or whatever else it is. Whereas my next step is coinciding with what kind of looks like the end of the pandemic. So yeah, that's how I am. So I'm cautiously optimistic, excited, but also incredibly nervous. <laughs> so yeah, that's where I'm at. Um, yeah, I think I'm also nervous, but for different reasons. I'm more nervous about like for fall or for next yeah. year, um, <laughs> because I guess at some point in the summer they will announce if it's going to be online again or in person or hybrid. Yeah. So I think I'm mostly worried about like if they're like, okay, everybody come to campus. That would be my nightmare because exactly. I still don't really want to have to move yeah. to America. Um, <laughs> So yeah. I'm just kind of like waiting for that. And then in terms of a plan, I told myself I will cross that bridge when I get to it. But hopefully I won't have to. Yeah. But otherwise, I'm excited. For yeah. Them. Yeah. I hope that they be like, for your sake, are overly cautious and maybe give you like at least the, till the end of this year to, you know, be in a space where you're still there and then you can kind of figure out. It'll also give you time to... I don't know, because I feel like if you're going to have to go back, you're going to have to go back. But I hope it just gives you more time to sit with it. it I don't be know. enough time. I've we'll also see. been trying to, like, because we have coursework, I've been, like, aggressively trying to finish all my coursework as soon as possible. So I actually might have by the end of this semester. Um, and then even if wow. they say come back, I'm just going to be like, cool, I'm done. I'm going to start Hi. field work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's see. Yeah, because then when you're on field work, you're kind of like on your own on that. Like it's 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 you, you do what you do with your time. You're not expected mm -hmm. to be in class. That is very sneaky and very smart of you. So hopefully they give you another semester to like be in that space where you can tie up whatever loose ends you need to with your coursework. Because wow, that how ideal would that be, so be if that timing worked yeah. out for you? But oh let's my god, see. that's amazing. That's in wow. So, um, with that, let's get to what's on everyone's mind, and I've got we've gotten quite a few requests uh, to discuss this. <laughs> um, the you know what everyone has called uh, what are they calling it the bombshell interview um, that uh, Harry and Meghan uh, had with Oprah Winfrey. So, what are your thoughts? What was your reaction? Mm. So I found out about this interview actually through you because when we were recording the last yes. episode, you were like, oh, this is coming yeah. out. And I looked for it. Um, and my biggest takeaway from that interview is actually that Oprah is fantastic at her job and I want to be as good as Oprah is at what she does. Um, I felt like just her questions were amazing and she would keep asking things or there was a moment where she like, made Harry laugh about something and then was like, okay, so tell me about your brother. What is that relationship like? So I think my biggest takeaway was just like Oprah is a boss. Um, for the interview, I have mixed feelings. Racism is terrible, obviously, and I denounce it like in every way, <laughs> shape or form. Um, and I sympathize with anybody who has been subjected to racism. That said, um, I don't feel like Megan's battle is my battle <laughs> because I think that um, my battle generally is, yeah, against these structures that perpetuate this violence. And I, I didn't think that she, like neither she or Harry were actually against the structures and against racism or colonialism, etc. Um, it seemed to me that they were just personally heard that this treatment had been extended to them. But they kept saying, you know, like they love the queen and if they would have like accepted them, they would have supported the institution, blah, blah, blah. So then I don't feel like this is like somebody I'm going to like fight for. But I mean, they were mistreated and on a human level, I can empathize with that. But for me, that's where it stops. Um, what would you say was your response to the interview? 
I think that's an amazing point you just brought up because they very much the interview was very much about their specific personal struggles and you're absolutely right as another person and a human in terms of what they went through um assuming unlike Piers Morgan but assuming that they were telling the truth it that was a that was a terrible difficult horrible experience but I agree with you because we talked about this in our first episode where we talked about um how there was like this kind of like what i think i the term the cognitive dissonance in terms of the wedding and how it was embracing you know specific identities but that those identities are not the same and in fact are in juxtaposition to identities of say the commonwealth or people from the global south um like for example the veil with all the flowers and you don't even know which you don't i i which flower would would be you know the from the country you're from um and kind of like their entire um what they think of the commonwealth it comes up a little bit because they talk about they use the word colonial but i don't know that they fully understand what that means i th- there was like this this weird dissonance on that mm-hmm. front um and my my sister made a very interesting observation where she was saying that she felt that the focus of what got picked up on that interview which was this the racism that you know she had experienced you're right for see the pick up off of off that was like well a lot of it is like of course they're racist and racism is terrible etc 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 but what about the actual institution of the you know the monarchy itself and also them totally being okay if she hadn't been treated badly within that if they had embraced her i mean then you have to like make active changes in the institution it's as well where it acknowledges its racist roots or whatever it is so i completely but she was also saying that you know the comment that she made about like the discussion of her son's skin color is something that is so prevalent and common like colorism forget about racism but colorism is like it's people were shocked by it but i was like it's one thing to be shocked by it because you can't believe it happened and it's another thing to be shocked by or like the the word isn't shock you should be like yeah that i mean that totally checks out it's terrible but how how many people do you know in your life where that like those comments haven't been passed or there isn't like a grandmother or an aunt or an uncle who is you know discussing the skin color we talked about it in our last episode as well in terms of like going out in the sun and you know so there is to make it seem like that was something so out there that doesn't happen is not true at all and in that sense it wasn't as revealing as people claim it to be but she was saying the fact that she literally sat over there and um i mean i we should maybe we should i don't know figure out like a trigger warning at the beginning because we're talking about intense subject material but she talks about being actively suicidal and talking about that and saying it to someone and someone saying well that's i mean that's awful but no you can't that is i don't think people are like are equivalently shocked by that and i think that should be something that is discussed was discussed more or um reported in a way where we engage with what that is versus just saying it like it, oh, it was a shocking thing she said whereas with the the supposed racism comments there was a lot of like introspection into what it meant and stuff and to me that wasn't all that quote unquote interesting because it wasn't surprising or unusual or any of those things i don't know if you are if would you if you would no, agree I, with that no i i agree completely with so much of what you've been saying i've been aggressively nodding over here yeah. um <laughs> i mean beginning with colorism i think it's also like blatant in harry and megan's response themselves because like you said i feel like racism is not shocking um so i think that yeah. they were mostly just shocked that it had been applied to her um again because yes. she's like a very light skinned white passing person um 
not to like negate her blackness, but it to me it just seemed like most of the shock yeah. was not that the royal family is racist, but that they were racist to Meghan. Um, right. And I also just like resented again all of this like reference to the Commonwealth um, and how she would have been a perfect yeah. representation of the Commonwealth. Because again, instead of dealing with yeah. like what the Commonwealth is, it basically is all the places that they invaded and colonized and kind of messed up for for the future. Um, instead of grappling with what that was, she was just happy to be the figurehead of the Commonwealth because she was like slightly more melanated than the rest of them. Um, I mean, so again, this was just like, I don't know what was going on there. Um, I agree with you that other things should have been taken up more, particularly mental health, particularly because it's been an issue for this like institution in the past. I was listening to this episode of like the New York Times podcast, The Daily, and they were doing like a comparison with Diana and Megan and how like... Um, these mental health challenges had come up also with Dana and like the poor response to it. And I think we discussed this also with the Crown. Um, so I think that would have been like, I agree with your sister, a heftier subject to focus on. Um, I feel like they went with the race because it's the easiest thing to like perform yeah. or pretend to do without doing anything. So I don't know if you have been seeing, but on Twitter, um, people have been making fun of William and Charles. Um, because this week they've both like rushed to be photographed with black people in the UK. So I think Charles went to like some hospital or something for um, black British people and took pictures. And then there was a picture of or video of um, William and Kate. Um, like they were walking outside it's, and there was like this oh my God, I... <laughs> black woman with them. And People have been laughing because it was a, like obviously a cold day. They're all wearing coats except this woman. She's not wearing a coat because you have to see like she's wearing an African print top. And if she was wearing a coat, it would be covered. Um, so they didn't let like auntie wear her coat. And so she's obviously cold and like walking around with them so that you can see it's like a black woman with braids and like with an African print top. Um, so I feel like it's just like goes to show how much um, race is like the race issue for them anyway they're not fooling anybody but it's easier symbolically mm -hmm. to tackle or to pretend to tackle than anything else um and then just last thing i think that they are recognizing colonialism in that but in like very shocking ways um like in very shocking ways that only the british could do so i saw this clip of an interview um where somebody was asking one of the royal aides if the royal family is racist. And his response was that the queen cannot be racist because she is the head of the Commonwealth and has been in charge of the royal family, which for years has like ruled over and colonized places all over the world with so many people of color. And so she definitely cannot be racist. Um, it's just like the Lord. mental gymnastics. It's like of what the reasoning behind that is. I mean, to also like it's so funny because I was discussing that clip with my sister because people are using what he saw. An interviewer like shouts out to him and asks him if he's spoken to his brother since the interview, and he chooses to respond and he says, "No, I haven't, but I will." And then as he's standing next to this, very clearly, I guess on very cold because she doesn't have a coat on lady who is very clearly black and they ask him like is the royal family a racist family now exactly what would he, would anyone have responded in that space who is sane the response would be we are not and he says that and people the the headlines were then that he responds he hits back and he says we're not and i'm like it was so hilarious because they were using that as like a legitimate response that he was like defending etc and it was like no that was such a absurdly situational context in which he literally couldn't have said anything else and also like when you ask someone if they and their family are racist i promise you most people will just say no so like qualifying that as like a legitimate response to racism is or to the interview is just ridiculous yeah. and i think that gives you an insight into like how the media functions or how things are reported um because you'll find that even when people talk about a statement that's been put out they will the articles will always give you 
um, you know, like specific excerpts of that, and you will find it very difficult to find an article which will actually just share the entire statement. So they'll say that so-and-so's put out a statement where they say, and then quote, end quote. But you will very rarely actually, you have to actively go online and look not for an article, but the space in which the person actually put out the statement so that you can read the statement from beginning to end and see what was said. And um, so I thought that was like a very interesting juxtaposition because they talk about, they, they spend so much of the interview talking about the tabloids and the media and how things are reported. So I, I urge everyone to like actually go and watch that video. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, and I didn't know any of this part of it. I was more like just trying to like watch their faces behind the mask to see what, what their faces were betraying. So I didn't like see this entire um, side of it. But And also I'm not on Twitter, so I haven't seen um, how how Twitter has been responding to it. Um, And also, I think, to come back to the mental health aspect, if I'm not mistaken, um, Harry, William, and Kate, and I think then Megan were, like, very actively, like, their their platform or their campaign that they kind of took over was the mental health awareness stuff. So they've done, like, a lot of talks about it. They've... That's like the that's like the issue that they took up. Like you know the way you like, you pick a certain issue and that's the one you you run with. That was theirs. So I no one is like even discussing that aspect of it. And I think that's because the the just the engagement or the talking about mental health is so still at the nascent stages of where it needs to be. Uh, I mean it is with race as well, but like race has been this kind of like hot button issue that has been you know people have been like churning out a lot of like commentary about it whereas with mental health people still don't really know how to engage with it or talk about it um and so it that kind of got completely glossed over and i think that was a far more um real and in some ways isolated experience that didn't kind of betray how they felt about other things so like with the race as you're saying it's far more complicated and they felt it only because as you're saying the, the racism they couldn't believe was being directed it, it, they don't seem to have a really a larger issue with the actual basis on which the royal family actually exists it, it was more like an experiential thing whereas I think with the mental health it was just like no this is a larger pressing issue that everyone kind of needs to grapple yeah. with uh, I don't know if that makes no, sense, but yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I hope that yeah, it's something yeah. that, like, as a society, we can cycle back to and not just focus on the more obvious topic. Um, and just to say, like, I always distrust people whose answer to, like, are you racist or are you sexist or homophobic or transphobic or anything else? If somebody says no, I always immediately distrust them. Um it's maybe it's also me being a bit judgmental but for me i would say that everybody's answer should be yes because we live in a world or in societies that are actively hateful in all of these ways so i think we should stop accepting people saying no to that i think everybody's answer should be yes and then you can add if you genuinely are working on it yes but i'm working on it um but to me also just being able to say no and I think he qualified it as like we're definitely or absolutely not um I think that then just betrays like not just that you are but that you're incredibly clueless about how you are right right and I mean and I think that um what's happened is is that the fear is so much more about being called racist than actually being Mm. racist like people are way more afraid to be considered racist or sexist or whatever it is but actually that's not the worst thing the worst thing in the world is not to be called that it is to not recognize that it is something that is pervasive and exists and that you have a part in it like it's it's people I think to say that oh yeah you know what I am racist because I live in this world <laughs> that's that's essentially what we're saying like you have you whether you like it or not you were you were thrust into a structure which exists before you ever existed and by virtue of that yes you do have this formulation and then 
to then say, as you're saying, to say that I'm working on it or that I recognize it or like that I'm aware of it and that I'm actively living in my life to dismantle it and therefore will try not to say, do and be racist is totally so yeah you're 100% right like no one is actually not any of those things because you are uh, but the fear is to be labeled that like people just are just like I don't ever want to be called that and it's like you are so much more afraid of being called that than actually acknowledging the fact that you and are then that stopping the harm that you're doing yeah yeah, yeah. right right yeah um, so, um, but of course, if, if that was to happen, it would get like taken over as like people being the opposite of like, yeah, I am racist and what are you going to do about it? And I'm okay with, you know, like that's the other side of it, I yeah, think. That's yeah, that's true. So. Um, we're coming up slowly on an hour. Do you have any final thoughts? Whoa, has it really been <laughs> an hour? I guess that's fair because we did two topics. Um, final thoughts. Uh not per se I'm just thinking of the interview and like we'll also just also say that I bet that wasn't like an easy thing to do and we both have a lot of empathy for just like the very outside of the larger context although we never really see things else without the context but that that must have just been like an incredibly stressful emotional difficult experience um, and that we have empathy for that, Absolutely. I guess. Um, not I guess, I, I know. I have like yeah. a dose of uh, like empathy and skepticism. Sorry, I've, I've interrupted you. Um, no, no, go ahead. Because it did seem in some moments like a very difficult thing to do. It also in other moments seemed right. to me like a brilliant PR move um, in terms of like winning yes. sympathy and playing yeah. the game and like right. winning the audience from the firm or whatever that was. Um Right. So I have empathy, but I'm also um, maybe a bit suspicious. Yeah, I also feel like the interview wasn't, <coughs> I don't think it like changed anyone's stance or understanding of like the people who were watching it who had certain ideas about race or the commonwealth or the royal family they are pretty much i don't think it it shifted anything so in that sense i don't think it was impactful i think it for you I know think, i think pierce morgan's what? lost his job yes you're absolutely right i think what i just mean it more like from a personal perspective of people who were watching that i think it's more people it made people more conscious of how things appear mm. So it's more like we, oh, wow, this is something that we have to like pretend to care about and like make a couple of important moves. Having said that, uh, I read something which said that there was actually like a real shift on certain fronts, like, for example, Piers Morgan going. Um, and there's been some fallout with some other hosts as well. I think Sharon Osborne um, and certain like media uh like there has been more reporting on other issues which they didn't actually raise but has had kind of a domino effect yeah. about like just race generally in British society. So you're right, I shouldn't say that. So maybe there has been a, like a, an impact that happened uh, in a way that isn't necessarily directly related to what you and I could recognize what they were trying to talk about but never talked mm. about at all, which is historical yeah yeah you know i agree i would uh, say like i think yeah. it this is judgmental i don't know if like anything like seriously deep or real has been changed i think because yes, yeah. um all of the like press stuff is so performative anyway um i think that right to the degree that this interview was playing the game it has then impacted the game um so that a lot of people are Yes, that's a having great this way conversation to put it, or yeah. like publicly now yeah. pretending, not pretending, publicly now discussing race in the media. Um, so I think yeah. it has shifted yeah. the media landscape, maybe. Oh, and like one last, my one last thought would uh, what, go back to your first comment, which was about Oprah and her interviewing skills. And yes, she is great 
at her job and was uh, I think was very uh, she kind of very much um, uh, put those people in place who were like oh she's gonna go easy on them and she's not gonna ask difficult questions and she's not but I did feel that again it was a very specific American perspective with which that interview was conducted and I feel like they should have a sit down with someone from the Commonwealth, this this Commonwealth that they discuss so much, like someone lit from like, say, how about us? <laughs> Why don't we sit down and have an interview? Because we genuinely, we're nice people. We would never, like we, we appreciate them as like actual humans and people. We would never be quote unquote mean and we're not looking for any kind of, you know, salacious. I, I don't really care about any of that. I mean, a little bit, but not really. But have someone from the Commonwealth sit down and interview you. Um, and, you know, uh, and also I feel like a lot of people from the Commonwealth also have a very specific perspective of like Harry and his history um, with the royal family and the media because we were much more exposed to that than I think people in the US were. And so I think that there's like. That is something that I also wanted to say that 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 interview was very much also shaped by the the American perspective on not just the royal family but on Meghan Markle and everything I love else, that idea uh, and also on like of history, like sitting yeah, down with the people that they're claiming so much yeah. to represent, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that would be yeah. really cool. I mean, final thoughts for me. I actually think we should abolish the monarchy. I love the crown, though. That's the only part that I would keep. <laughs> the rest of it can go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I don't know who's listening to this. I'm not going to comment because I'm a chicken. <laughs> so, but you know where I stand. That's hilarious. Um, okay. Uh, so, we'll end this episode like we end all of the ones before um what has been your pop culture moment for this week um wandavision so i watched wandavision it's this um show on disney um it's within the like marvel comic universe so i guess it takes place after um what was it infinity wars no the one after that I'm missing the titles, mm. but after the last Avengers movie, um, yeah. and so okay. it's like with Wanda and Vision, and I can't spoil much, um, but it just follows what Please happens don't. afterwards, and I really, really, really loved it. The first three episodes, the director had too much fun. I was a bit lost, but I had been promised that the fourth would be amazing, um, so I watched the whole, almost the whole thing this week. Um, I love, love, loved it. And the major thing is there had been this meme on Twitter that I kept seeing and people, which would be like, what is like A, if not B, persevering? And people took it in very funny directions and I didn't know where it came from. And then I realized that it came from like episode six or something um, where somebody says like, what is grief, if not love, persevering? Um, so yeah, I, I, I really, really loved it. I didn't realize how much I had missed like that Marvel universe. Um, and there's another show coming out in a week. I think this is more from Captain America's universe. Is he the one with Bucky in it? Yeah. So there's another yes. like mini series yes. show coming out. I'm very excited for it. Um, but yeah, WandaVision has been my, um, my pop culture moment this week. What has been yours? Um, I really do want to talk about WandaVision because I've been seeing stuff um, about it and how it discusses mm-hmm. grief. And I am so excited to watch it. So we should maybe just... Dis- okay, we'll talk about this after. So let me just give my pop culture moment and then I will excitedly discuss this with you afterwards because we potentially can figure out episodes in this sphere but i i i've heard that it apparently like i've read like you know just snippets of reviews here and there about uh its engagement with grief and what grief is um, and how we experience it that's what i'm saying a hundred percent yeah i and actually i forgot that you are a fan and engaged with the marvel universe because 
I actually really enjoy it. I'm not like a mega fan, so I've missed a lot of stuff. But I think I have access to all of it because I think it's all on um, Disney Plus. So I'm going to actually sit and watch all of it, and maybe we can do like a like do a series on Marvel yes. characters. And I know people who would. I think people would really enjoy that as well. But my pop culture moment, and I'm going to be quick because this episode is so long. But um, was I've I don't know if you've seen this show called Kim's Convenience. I Okay, so it's on Netflix, and I'm not. I'm really not going to say anything about the show or its premise. I just want to say that it's. I've watched a couple of episodes, but I think it is super interesting because it's again one of those shows which just shows you stuff and then lets you think what you will about it, and it does that with humor, and so it will show you a lot of how we how in a certain uh, microcosm of a community people talk about um, a lot of the ish the most press pressing issues in terms of like race and gender and sexual orientation and all of those things and it just kind of lets it be and then you can kind of decide what the show is trying to say about those things um, and they do it all of this with you know with uh, with comedy as well um, so I really like that. Like, it's really not pushing you in any direction. It's just saying that this is an interaction that happened. And it's not very clear necessarily what that interaction was supposed to tell you. Um, and the, the showrunners seem to be letting you make your decisions about what those interactions were. So I thought that was quite compelling. It's also just like a sweet sitcom. From what I've seen thus far, I've only seen a couple what of episodes. What platform or so, network is this on? It's on, on Netflix. Okay. Or at least on the India collection of Netflix, it's there. Yeah. I'll check it out. Yeah. So I enjoyed um, that. Thanks yeah. everyone for listening. This is our longest episode so far. Um, but if you are still with Whoa. us this far in the episode and in the series, we appreciate you. Um, you can find us at Common Thread Cast on Instagram. Thank you to everyone who's been following and sharing the episodes. Um, please leave us a rating or review wherever you're listening that will actually help people find us because we will um, I think we get like pushed up in whatever podcast provider once people have rated us because then they know we're real and legit Um, so yeah please leave us a rating, a review tell your friends about us um, if you like what we're doing Yep. everything she said (laughs) I second So thank you so much and see you next week. Bye.